It has. It's like a. It's like a Star Trek. My computer has diverted all power from Shield to life support. Right. Yeah. Life support being yeah. Skype. The yeah. Our last true North Star. The program <laughs> Skype that I wish could be scrubbed from this world, but still, yes. Exactly. You should see uh, the spare room I'm in. Uh, it's just piled high with like a whole bunch of shit. Cause I cleaned the whole house, but there's still stuff I got to take care of. So I just put it in the spare room. How many sticky socks are there in that room? <laughs> there's not none. It's the spare oh, room. Yeah. But I mean, come on. It's in my, uh, what else do you, my hamper. What, what else do you do with a spare room? But throw, you know, your used socks. I'm using air quotes. Your used socks. I'm looking. There's only one sock and it's the sock on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Hey, can we start here just because I'm so curious and we might as well get everyone, you know, all seven people that listen to the show super mad at us. Uh, who are you voting for in Super Tuesday tomorrow? For, for... I, don't, I don't care. Uh, you're, you're not a registered Democrat? No, I, it doesn't matter. Can you vote anyways? Is, is California one of the places you can vote no matter what? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Some of them yeah. can be. So you're not voting is what you're saying. No, I'm gonna go vote. It's like down the street from here. Okay. So who are you di- who are you voting for? I don't know. It's either extreme or moderate, right? I well, I guess so. I, I, as a Canadian, that is such a weird term to use for people that are like not that extreme when you look at Canadian politics. But sure, yeah, <laughs> extreme. I guess is is a word and you I, could use. And I don't have. I don't give a fuck. Whoever it is has got to be one of those two, though. Well, what do you mean by one of those two? They're the only ones left. Well, Warren's or still in garbage. it, isn't it? War- Warren is still oh, in it. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth Warren. She's There's not going to win. No, she's not. I'm just I'm saying she's still in it, though. Because I, I don't know if you've seen... Have you been following anything that's going on on Twitter right now? Because there's kind of a mini meltdown happening. Oh, I, I've muted, like, most things that have to do with politics, okay. which is great. Let me catch you up. people... When people quote tweet something and it just says unavailable, I'm like, well, whatever. Well, let me catch you up because this is, uh, well, by the way, welcome to whatever this is, the podcast where two guys sit down and try and discover, you know, whatever this is. It's a politics po- politics podcast, apparently. Uh, my name is uh, Kyle Marshall. I'm talking with uh, Grant Hates Women Tingly. Well, yeah. Uh, but apparently... Well, not apparently, for sure. By the way, we're recording this on March 2nd, because I have no idea when we're actually, I'm going to actually post this. Uh, so the night before Super Tuesday. Oh, so what we what we should have done is we should have recorded, pretended this was live Super Tuesday and right. and did the did the results live. Yeah, exactly. Uh, weirdly, Pete Buttigieg won. How did, uh, that, it's a shocker. Um, actually. That he won one, yeah. Yeah. Run, runner up, of course, La La Land. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Warren Beatty, Secretary of Defense. That's right. So, Pete Buttigieg drops out of the race kind of unexpectedly, what, two, three days ago now? Yeah. Amy Klobuchar, again, somewhat of a shocker, drops out tonight. Um, well, you know why, right? Well, my guess is that the, the, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, somewhat forced them or coerced them or paid them off. That's my guess. So that well, they're trying to get Biden elected. Oh yeah, trying to get Biden elected. I don't know. I just don't know if that's going to be work in their favor. To be honest, I think actually more people in the field hurts Bernie Sanders more than less people in the field. That's my sense. I don't know. I am not really a polit- political junkie. That as as much as I try and pretend to be one on TV. Well, Klobuchar 
you know, oh, endorsed. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this was a Lord of the Rings <laughs> fan fiction. Tell me, where, where, in the Cl- where in the Clobershire did Bilbo grow up? It's just strict, unabashed hatred of women. I'm sorry. I guess so. Yeah. How, how, what's your opinion on Wallen? I don't even. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. No. Uh, because you mispronounced the name. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, as again, as an outside observer, so you know, rake me over the coals, internet. If I would could vote, I would probably vote for Elizabeth Warren, even though she has no chance of winning. But still, that's who I'd probably vote for. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I would have probably preferred Warren, mm-hmm. but then again, you have the thing where. You know, how many middle-of-the-road people are ready for a woman president? Well, my here's my other big fear here, right? Because everyone, well, everyone says, at least, that they really want Donald Trump out of office, right? Anyone that's on the left side. And I would say even moderates, by the sound, if you agree with the polling or support the polling, they want, uh, they don't want Donald Trump to be in office. But I feel like if it comes across as the Democrats pulling the strings and forcing Biden to go through when that's not really the will of the people, boy, is that going to bite them in the butt. Yeah. Anyways, I'm still pretty certain that, that Trump's going to win anyway, so I don't know. I, I kind of agree, too. All right. Well, let's get it. Then, then it'll be a super majority in, in the Supreme Court and women will be fucked for what? 75, 80 years, maybe 100. Well, at least the next 25 for <laughs> for the short term, at least. Yes. So that's that's fun to think about in your country. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's just it's just the whole world really is going that direction. Mm-hmm. And so I I've been reading a book on how we could uh learn from the mistakes of the uh, 20th century to stop tyranny now. What's the book called? I don't know. I don't know uh titles of books. Right. It's called The Lorax. Uh <laughs> So let's talk about some other fun uh, topics here of course there is we've just talked about some politics here uh what have you been watching let's start there oh well, of course i i finally got in to see parasite oh nice which is uh apparently about the democratic national committee uh no what did you think I, i'm actually very curious because you didn't like some of the other big movies that came out last year if i remember correctly from our last conversation uh, which I can't remember at all, of course, because it was uh, six and a half, seven years ago. Well, yeah, basically three months ago, but in Trump years, that is six years. Uh, no, at Parasite, I thought it was really good. And the ending is so like really surprising. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it necessarily going that direction. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. I, I think it's just so wonderful how it like unfolds itself through the plot. I've seen it twice, uh, both times in theater. And I just really loved it. It's really fun watching that movie with an audience who doesn't know what's going to happen. When And I don't want to spoil it just in case there is people that haven't seen it yet. But how, for, for you, when did you like really know what was going on? Like when was the moment? Oh, well, when The, the Rock came into play. Mm. Not the first time, the second time. But the time. second time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like the the movie uh, has two or three distinct parts, yes. and two huge turns of and of tone, even. Yeah, and I think it's that first change of tone that totally got me because I was like, "Yeah, I, I okay, I can see where this is going. I see like the symbolism and 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 that sort of thing that's that's going on." 
Uh, and then that first turn happens. I'm like, oh, this is a completely different movie than I thought this was going to be. And then it does that kind of third act change too. I'm like, oh, okay, this is even different than what I thought that was going to be. So, uh, as, as a but fan, but then you even get the, you even get that one moment where there's even in the third act there's another shift where the uh, the party, uh, sure, the 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 father in the thing has his turn. Mm-hmm. So it's like even that's a mini one where it's like I didn't expect that, and I, the most important thing to me is being surprised, and I wasn't surprised at all. I didn't see the basement coming. Mm-hmm. No way in hell. How how could anybody see the basement coming? No, but that's a, that's the beautiful thing about it too, because there's actually a bunch of foreshadowing to that reveal that on my second watch was really cool to see. It's like oh, they really pointed you that this was what was about to happen, and yet it was still a surprise the first time I watched it. So yeah, I gotta I gotta watch it again. Now, did uh, you watch this in uh, subtitles or did you have a dubbed version down there? Subtitles. I, I don't do dubbed. Okay, subs no dubs. That's good to know. Uh, and did that ruin your enjoyment of it? Uh, well, you know I can't read. True. So. Yeah, yeah. So you had no idea what was going on. It was just body language, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, um, I I really I obviously enjoy it when there's subtitles way more than dubbing. Uh, it's the best way to watch it. Um, I mean, is the dubbed version even available? Uh, I would assume like on iTunes or like Google movies or something like that. If you were to rent it probably has a dubbed version. I wish that they would just outlaw that. Well, I mean, constitutional amendment. Now let me, let, let me sell you on this though. Let me sell you on this because the dubbed version is just carrot top using uh, six different voices now in or out. Yeah. He's like. I wanted them to to attach a knife to this stone, so it's a rock and knife and whatever. There's my best carrot top. <laughs> I mean, you try. It would be it would be mostly like uh, painting like a he'd like put headphones on the rock and be like, it's rock music, right? And then beat them over the head with Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's our little fan fiction that we got to create. That was fun. Yeah. Now, see, I'm I was in the movie theater uh, with one other person. Oh, really? A Just... above middle aged woman. Oh, interesting. Did she enjoy the movie? Yeah. She um, when we got to the part where uh, um, they started talking about the driver having sex in the back seat. Yeah. And the husband said, uh, does he get off having like putting sperm on my seat? She got up and walked out and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, she didn't even get to see the reveal. She was just gone. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I um, yeah, I, I walked out and I asked the ticket people if she got a refund. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, did she give a reason? They just kind of shrugged. I'm sure that they don't want to explain that to people. But yeah, I was not. I did not know that there was Asians in this movie. Did not <laughs> know that that was what was going to happen. Yeah, like the SNL last night where he's like, and I'm not in Parasite. Oh, right. two nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it last night. Uh, I did not. I, I've seen that sketch, though. Uh, that's a, well, of course you did. Of course. It's about musical the one theater. Thing, yeah. But there's also another one in there from Sound of Music. Oh, not, oh like another sketch, you mean? Yeah, there's another sketch with uh, uh, John Mulaney and Cicely Strong, uh, where it's uh, Rolf and the eldest Von Trapp kid who's 16, mm-hmm. going on 17. And so, yeah, they're just doing a little song and dance in that. And singing a parody of that song. You know, I'm I'm greatly hoping that they ask John Mulaney to be the host of the Tonys this year. Because I think he would do a stellar job. Uh, I, I told you this on tw- 
Twitter in a Twitter exchange. Uh, you can follow me at the Kyle Marshall on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> my enjoyment of John Mulaney goes up exponentially when I know that he is in a sketch that only he finds funny. Yeah. Uh, I just happen to also find the sketch funny because it was parodies to a certain extent, but also kind of interesting how it was like, sincere. Which, well, what shows they had picked and like really like weird like meta jokes that were going on at the same time anyways i feel like a lot of people would watch and be like why is this funny and i'd be have to like all right well, let me do like a dissertation on why this is actually a funny sketch <laughs> i was really i really enjoyed the fact that they the reason why they picked those songs was for like one line oh sure. that actually fits their thing but it's like 15 lines down the song so it's like okay i get it whatever and then all they get to that one line they're like oh that's what it was yeah yeah, yeah. i also enjoy the fact that somehow john mulaney has uh hoodwinked or maybe is um, blackmailing Jake Gyllenhaal to be super fucking weird. And I'm all <laughs> here for it. Did you watch the sack lunch bunch at all on Netflix? Of course I did. God, Mulaney, I love that. Uh, John Mulaney is my favorite comic since that last comic went down swinging by masturbating in front of women. Oh, I, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm sure. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't fly somewhere just to watch him. In a theater in the round uh, style comedic show. I don't show. know if that happened or not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure if I recall that happening. Did, when when he did the show because mm. it was theater in the round, did he just start whacking off and then make the sprinkler sound and go? Well, I did think it was keep spinning around. I did think it was weird that with my playbill, I did get a sticky sock. So I I just thought yeah, the people in the first two rows had the tarp. They were in the splash zone. I just thought it was a New York thing. That's just what I thought. By the way, I'm going back to New York in like three weeks, which is... Yeah, come exciting. as you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyways, I mean, the Sack Lunch oh, Bunch, oh. again, is like so idiosyncratic. And there's this lovely... I would say the funniest bit is the Jake Gyllenhaal Music Man bit, at, basically at the very, very end. Yeah. A, because I was not expecting it to happen. And B, because Jake Gyllenhaal just commits to everything he does. So if he's being a fool or being like intense or being sincere, it's like him, but doing that a hundred percent. And it's so funny to me. Did you hear the John Mulaney interview where they talked about where like their first choice was some singer from the 1960s, but he's yes. dead. Oh, he's so dead. Well, they asked said, somebody else and they said, no, they, they wanted someone else to come in and maybe not for that role, but they wanted them to be a part of it. And they just straight up like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So Jake asked uh, John, he's like, what do you want me to do? And John just says, just do what you do. And John's like, and he took it exactly how I wanted him to go as far as he possibly wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to meet Jake Gyllenhaal someday. I want to know how weird he is in real life. Wait, do you want to M-E-E-T him or M-E-A-T him? Correct, yes. All, all of the yep. above. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, but yeah. now, now that he's on social media, now that he's doing crazy shit with like Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, all of a sudden we're like, he has a personality. Yes. But I mean, but I mean, you saw the Bubble Boy. He has that area in his in his range, and there's like Velvet Buzzsaw and Uncha. They have that range or whatever that movie's called. They ha he has that weird weird area in him, but it's not like we see enemies. We see whatever that brothers movie. He was with Tobey Maguire, um, you know. I saw Jarhead. I saw Jarhead. Oh fuck that! I saw, yeah, it I saw it in that, theaters. I saw it in theaters too. I was there with my girlfriend Alicia, or was it Sarah? I don't know. One of them. <laughs> okay. And we just sat there for three hours or whatever. How many? How long it was? 
you know, and it was just like, what? There's okay. Nothing's going to happen <laughs> ever. Um, Jarhead is a movie that I remember going to the movie theater, paying and watching the movie for the full, I'm guessing two hours. Oh, and, the whole thing is vivid in my mind. And I literally too. could not tell you a single thing that happens except for at the very beginning, you see Jake Gyllenhaal having sex and you see his butt. That is basically the only thing I remember from that movie. Well, I, I seem to remember there was oil fields at some point. No, no, that, think, that, was, I, that was Jake Gyllenhaal's butt. And that it could have also been uh, Three Kings, which is a good war movie. Yes. Yeah. By a terrible, terrible human being, but yes. But it has Spike Jones. It does. And that's when we all realize that Spike Jones can act. Where is that guy? That's a good question. Is like her the last movie that he did? Oh, yeah. I forgot that he did that. Yeah, that was, what, six years ago? Oh, at least. Five years ago? probably, like, even longer than that at this point. But, but I mean, we also miss... I miss him in front of the camera, too. Which he hasn't done in much longer than he hasn't directed. Yeah. Apparently, he's done a bunch of shorts and music videos. What is this thing? Yeah. Short film, short film, Lady Gaga music video. Her is, yes, the last feature film... That came out in 2013, so seven years oh, ago. Seven years. I was so close. Oh, and he did a comedy special, uh, and he oh, apparently he is directing a documentary called Beastie Boys Story that will be oh, coming up soon. That's a. I'm sure he did nothing except collect all the video he already recorded. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like through the freaking uh, gift shop type thing. Do you know the last? movie that he appeared in uh it would probably be one of the the asshat movies asshat movies uh jackass well sort of he was in bad grandpa oh bad grandpa i was gonna say that but that's what yeah that's what i was thinking and then an episode i I bet you he even directed some of that too and an episode of girls in 2015 oh god that movie that show man oh what a well you hate women I i know this already but Especially girls. Especially young women, yes. Yeah. Talk about it's that. Just, you saw The Invisible Man. Oh, what a... Lee Wanell uh, finally getting getting something that he can sink his teeth into. Like I don't know he, who... Wait, stop, other, stop, stop. Who is this person? He's the writer-director of The Invisible Man. Lee Wanell, he yeah, also... But, uh, what? Am I saying his name wrong? No, no. I'm saying, like, what else has he done? Because I don't know what saw. he's done. Oh, he was, the, like, he, was the, the, he was not Carrie Elwes. He was the guy in Saw, and he wrote Saw one, two, and three. Okay, uh, he said he quit Saw because he couldn't think of any more ways to kill people. Well, they kept going though, uh, yeah, and he kept making money off of it because yeah. he produced it. I, uh, but he also was Conjuring. Uh, Co wrote that. Oh, I love uh, the Conjuring. Okay, cool. And I think he, I think he directed the second Insidious movie because he's also Insidious guys. Hmm. Something I was thinking about recently, and I don't know why it popped into my head, but I was actually thinking about Saw here last week, and how much I enjoy Carrie Elwes American accent because I don't know if it's good, but I enjoy it. the The best Carrie Elwes American accent is from Liar Liar, hands down, <laughs> where he's playing the little fluffy guy. He's a yeah. Hufflepuff. Let's be let's, certain let's, here. Yeah, well, come on. He's a Hufflepuff. He's a Hufflepuff and, and he's, he's a like... bottom and we don't respect either in this household. <laughs> and he's uh, and he the the funny one of the funniest parts of that movie is when he's like, "Oh, it's the claw. It's the claw." You know, and that part is hilarious. Now I got to watch Liar Liar. 
I probably have not seen Lyalar since the '90s when it came out. So, so let me let me just say real quick before I, I segue into something more important. Um, the Invisible Man is fantastic. It is tense. I was surprised by thir- certain things. Now, unlike Parasite, I was able to predict something like 30 seconds before it happens. Right. You know, and then you, I saw a couple twists coming, but the, you know, there's the end that's very good. Like the tension they build and the doubt that they build inside the story itself while keeping consistent and making everything believable was so good. I will say that there is a sweet spot. Like there is, like Parasite certainly had that moment, like the moment where I'm like, wait, this is, this is something that I was not expecting, like whatsoever. And but, I was told it was a comedy. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, in, well, actually, go and watch it the. Is. It is. Go watch the YouTube video because there's a bunch of stuff that is very specifically to Korea that we as the uh, Westerners do not get as being comedic. Anyways, that's a whole other topic. Uh, but I was going to say that there's a sweet spot between that and I love movies that do have like a quote unquote a twist that you as an audience member. Or maybe more appropriately, me as an audience member figures out like just a few seconds before it happens. I don't know. There's a th- I love that. It's like, oh, and then it happens. And it's like, yeah, okay, I got that. I got it. I feel so smart when that happens. It, it was fantastic because in the theater, like four people down from me, like we both had the same idea at the exact same time. Okay. okay. I heard her say it and I'm like, I know, bitch. I just said it too. <laughs> Charlene, we know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so it was it was it was kind of neat. I'm starting to ex- I, I I'm starting to actually build this appreciation of audience participation, which is kind of weird um, because I saw the grudge and there were people like there were I was sitting next to five high school girls, <laughs> right? And and two of them were forced to come to the movie, and so the whole movie, the one that was super scared, kept saying "fuck you, fuck you" for making me come into this. This is ridiculous. Fuck you. And then the other two were laughing, and the one in the middle that was next to her was comforting her, mm-hmm. and then the one on the far end, which was also tricked into coming, was just kind of screaming every so often. But I thought it was hilarious because one grudge it's a horrible movie it is it's, it's it is so bad it's a bad bad movie um but it that was, was actually like that, that was only like i mean obviously i had seen some bad movies before that but that was the first one i also saw the grudge in theaters uh in university and it was kind of the first time that i started to understand it's like oh like most movies are bad aren't they like it's just like i know there's like this dawning realization it's like i i only have seen like good movies because my parents picked good movies for us to watch growing up and then all also all of the Polly Shore films um so yes all good <laughs> films uh, as a diet growing up and I was like okay so most most films are bad I guess yeah 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 but grudge was so bad and I figured it out like within seven seconds yeah the like, ghost it, has I, a grudge I, seen the real I get grudge. it I haven't seen it I haven't seen the real grudge the the original one yeah so. yeah yeah I, I understood that you meant the American grudge and all of this. Well, I know there's the Sand- or Sandra Bernhardt, <laughs> the Sarah Jessica. No, that, that one, Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, although, can I just say a Sandra Bernhardt <laughs> and a Sarah Jessica Parker grudge film? I kind of on board with it. That would be fantastic. Well, Th- I think that would be the third be Sex the- in the City movie. Actually, I think she would be gr- grudged. Ghost would be Sandra Bernhardt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think we got to get Kathy Griffin in there. Yeah, just shoehorn her into the plot somehow. Yeah, 
But if it is the third Sex in the City, that would be fantastic. Like Charlotte. Remember when Charlotte shit her pants in the second Sex in the City? Uh, no, because I've never seen a single second of Sex in the City. I've seen the entire series four or five times through. Why? I, because that's what college did for me. Me and Carlene, we just watch it all the time, constantly, Jesus. and I live with her. So, yeah, I love that show. And I've seen, I saw Sex in the City 2 in the theaters. Uh, I saw Sex and the City that, 1 in theaters. That is the, like the super bad one, though, the second one. Oh, the second one is horrible. Yeah. It's it's worse than the grudge, um, like if you microwave fish during the grudge. <laughs> no, I get you. I, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, so you're saying I should go and see The Invisible Man. Have you seen any of the other Invisible Man movies or like familiar with the story at all? Well, clearly I saw Hollow Man because number right, one yeah, task yeah. of my life is Kevin Bacon's like all, skinless ween. All of, uh, all of the Kevin Bacon oeuvre. You need to see. Yeah. Well, you got, if you want to get into that, you know, Stir of Echoes is one of the great horror movies. If it didn't come out the same year as The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a big movie. By the way, I should just do as a pitch here at this point, if anyone is still listening, because I don't want any free time in my life, I have started another new podcast called Kyle and Dave versus The Machine, where me and my friend Dave are going through a bunch of movies that were made in 1999. Because and every of, single movie is picked by Albert Pujols. The correct, you won't get that joke. You no, won't get I would that not. joke. Uh, is that from the peanut butter incident? Is that why? No, his, his, uh, he's a baseball player, plays for the Angels. His yeah. nickname is The Machine. Oh, I got you. Yes, yeah. I. in the fiction of the podcast, I have created a sentient machine that tells us which movies to watch. Um, just because I want my uh, ego stroked, among other things. Uh, have you listened to any episodes? No, of course not. Okay, great. Um, no, I, I've seriously, like, I haven't listened to a podcast in like over maybe 20 months but you make podcasts yeah i don't know what happened like something switched in me in like the past year year and a half i've been listening to music now oh that's i mean i kind of have well i shouldn't say that i do go in waves because i listen to podcasts a lot um i say because of the job that i have but mostly because i just like them but there are times it's like, you know what? No, I just need, I just want to listen to some music. And I just sit in my house or when I'm driving, I'm like, yeah, let's get some driving music on and just go. Well, I noticed that like with my uh, bipolar, it actually helps a lot. Mm. So it, it, it relaxes me when I'm amped up and it brings me up when I'm depressed. It's really nice. But I just realized I have listened to a few because I've been listening. I listen to Creator Block, Creative Block, whatever that's called. Oh, really? Okay. Every, every once in a while. Uh, I really liked several of them. The shoe one that you made me listen to, I've listened to a couple times. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, I, I like that. I liked her. Um, Thank you. And then I've, I've, I did listen to a couple Sondheim ones, but I, you know. Yeah, no, you don't care. I, I get that. That's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very niche podcast, which continues to grow and grow and grow, which is well, I got to say, congratulations to on winning a Canadian podcast award. Oh, that- Yes. Yeah, my podcast about musical theater has actually, yes, garnered me a Canadian podcast award, which is hilarious because I thought I had zero chance of winning and woke up in the morning, I think to your tweet, actually. And I'm like, what? What? How? How did this happen? Um, It's pretty fantastic, and I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Now, um, speaking of Liar Liar. Okay. Um. I saw Sonic the Hedgehog with Jim Carrey, and we're back to prime Jim Carrey all of a sudden, the wacky body, right. the uh, insane choices, the flips of the script of how quickly he goes from, you know, he's manic energy, so it can go, you know, from calm to loud, yeah. calm to 
to insane, you know, whatever. In, in a Does that of a still split. play today, though? Is that still funny, do you think? I think that there was certain scenes that it would have been better if he toned it down. Um, but there was a couple things that were really funny. And I think that the, the, prop, the, the fun thing about it was it was a guy on the edge already. And Sonic basically drives him insane by the end of the movie. So we're, he, they set up an insane person for the next movie. Hmm. Which is going to be fantastic. So sorry, I, I, because I'm probably not going to watch this movie until maybe a few months from now. Uh, I like it a th- lot. Does Robotnik die in it or no? Uh, no, he gets... Uh, you want me to just say what, he, what happens? So Sonic gets sucked into our human world. Am I to understand that properly? Do you want me to explain specifically? No, I, want, I want to guess for a few minutes here. So okay. I'm guessing just from the trailer, He ends up in our world, yes. Sonic somehow ends up in our world. He is in cartoon land for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning an enchanted situation here. Is Amy Adams in this movie? Yes, but she plays herself. Are, are you serious? Yeah, she stars in an uh, Olive Garden commercial. Fucking it's in the middle of the movie, great. just out of nowhere, Olive Garden. Like a legit commercial for Olive Garden. Well, apparently it's like just a commercial for a bunch of things because, you know, they had to do a bunch of rewrites. and Or not rewrites, but a bunch of visual effects over again. So it's just yeah. commercial after commercial. Uh, well, that's good. That's a reunite. What do you call that? Um, uh, a reuniting of her and Michael Madsen? Michael nope. Madsen. That's not right. James Marsden. James Marsden. <laughs> Although Michael Madsen might have made it better. Yeah, just just fucking cutting uh, Sonic's ear off. That's right. Yeah. So okay, so he's going with Michael Madsen. No, god damn it, James Marsden is a super cool cop. Meets Sonic, they become fast friends, and then they go and uh, battle the mustachi- mustachioed man that is known as Robotnik. Now is Robotnik well, coming from this Sonic world, or has he been in the Earth no. world for forever? He's a mad scientist that's under contract with the government to track down this person that this entity that created a an EMP pulse that uh, basically blacked out a big section. Okay. And Do they call him Robotnik or Doctor Eggman in this movie? He is he is uh, called both. Um, mm. He is uh, Doctor Robotnik, an orphan that grew up because and uh, was a little bit bullied as a kid until he realized that he can use his superior intellect to basically murder mass murder oh. anyone. So it's like a Doctor Octopus situation here. Yeah. Okay. Basically, I should just let you know, I am very well-versed on the, the Sonic lore, having grown up with the games and the original cartoon series when I was a kid, so. But ba- basically, um, the thing is, how they how they uh, use the rings, hmm. fantastic. So you're saying um, this pile of shit is good, is what you're saying. It's good. It's good. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I would recommend people seeing it. I mean, you don't have to see it in the theaters, but thank God they redesigned the character because yeah. that character before was horseshit, and this guy is great. Um, but it's also, there's a really interesting aspect because um, Sonic is forced to basically spend, um, he gets comes to this world as a, as a kid, and he's basically Like a human spend, kid or just a Sonic hedgehog kid? A, a baby goat. He comes here as a baby goat, okay. and um, he has to, uh, basically he's hiding out because of, uh, his power um, of speed, mm-hmm. and he's forced to spend ten years by himself. But he's sneaking around, like spying on everybody. And he, na- you know, that's how he gets to know the whole small town. And what is this small town called? Yes, Green Hill Zone. Yeah. Well, it's Green Hills. But Green no. Hill. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, now, is there a crisis on Infinite Earths in this storyline? Uh, there are, <laughs> there are 
um, multiple realities. Yes, yeah, but yeah. they might be planets. I'm not sure. It's not really specifically explained. They might be different planets. Uh, they've met. They call Sonic an alien several times. Yeah, uh, is, he says planets, but it might be multiple dimensions. Yeah. I'm not sure. Is there a magenta echidna in this movie at all, or is it hinted at as like an after credit sequence? There is no echidna, but there is a multi. Uh, prehensiled mm. helicopter uh, in the end scene. Great, 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 great. Uh, well, this sounds like everything that I would like, but uh, I still am not going to spend 12, no, sorry, 14 Canadian dollars to go and see a movie. Yeah, I show up before noon and I get a, get in for eight fifty. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And I get a free coffee if I show up before noon. Shut up. Why? Yeah, because it's, they have the coffee club at Reading Cinema down here on Cal Oaks in Murrieta, California, 92562. Oh, I mean, people are now going to stalk you, I think, if you give think your so. address. Well, that's what I want. Are you How part of the Cine Club or no? No, it's just it's just they call it the coffee club, um, but it's just nobody membership. It's just if you're before 1159 in the morning, okay. you just get a free coffee. Now, there is no more of that... Um, Free ticket business. What was that company called? Movie Pass. Movie I found Pass. my card today because I clean. I clean the whole house except for the spare room, which is a human disaster right now. Right. There are bodies. And there is fecal sticky matter. Socks. Yeah, uh, we've covered oh, that. No, they're not sticky anymore. Okay. Well, you say listen, so. Listen, listen really quickly. This is me hitting the the counter with a sock. Oh God. Yeah. All right. Well, so there's there's that. Um, but are you part I, I nailed, of like uh, I nailed I nailed the sock and now I'm nailing the nails. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but you said that they're not in this movie. You said uh, anyway. So you are you part of like the the A Stubbs list or anything like that at all? No, AMC is basically on the other side of okay. the uh, metropolitan area. Well, metro suburban area that I live in. Okay, so that would be ridiculous. But are you part of like, any it's... of that type of thing? Because every theater now, apparently in the states, has their own sort of version of that. Oh, Reading is a small theater chain, which is I think mostly based in Australia. Oh. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's a couple, I believe there's a couple in Hawaii, and then they're really interspersed. There's one in San Diego, and there's one here. So it's just not really that big. I, I, I've talked to them a couple times about the club, and this is all I get re responded back with. We're working on it. Mm. You know, uh, in, in Canadian news, Canada's largest theater chain uh, was bought by a UK company. So, Which was the company again? I forget. It's Cineplex is what it's called in Canada, but it was... Another chance. Yeah, yeah Odeon got bought, right? Yeah. Uh, Odeon. So I don't know. We'll see where that goes. I've actually been loving this other kind of sub brand that only has two theaters in Calgary called Landmark. Uh, they are lovely and their app is amazing. I know that's so dumb and privileged of me to say, but their app is so great. I love using it. It would be great if you could somehow get a Amalo, <laughs> Alamo Draft House. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'd be like all over that. Uh, the landmark is close, except they don't bring you your food to your seat. Yeah, the reading, they have about five theaters that you can get food at your seat. But literally, this is what I can do. I can pull up, pull out my phone, and be like, oh, yeah, this is the movie I'm seeing, my ticket that's already bought. Yes, add snacks to it, and say, oh, I'm ready, walk beautiful. up to this like little area, I'll grab my snacks as they have it for me, and they walk right into the theater. It's so great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like, There's a reading uh, cinemas app, but it's only for purchasing tickets. Mm -hmm. So that's all I can get from there. Uh, I I have uh, I I finally I told my my family for my birthday because they always get me movie gift cards, and I'm like, for the love of God, stop getting me Fandango gift cards. <laughs> right, Buy right. a reading cinema gift card because there's no fees. 
But it was fantastic because my birthday came up and reading our Fandango sent me a their little thing and it was four dollars off with you know like most of that goes to fees. Yeah. So thanks, yeah. reading. Th- th- thanks for literally nothing. But it was fantastic though because that was that was the ticket that put me over to get another five dollars. So I had to go another to another movie to use the five dollars, <laughs> which mostly went to fees again. Um, every four movies you get a five dollars off. Yeah, so. oh, well, great. Uh, I want to go back to something you mentioned before because I don't think we've ever discussed this, uh, at least not in my memory. So you say you're listening to more music. What is the music soundtrack of choice for Mr. Grant Samuel Tingley? I don't know what your middle name is. Um, there is, uh, basically I've been on, uh, Google music yeah, and, and a lot of the time. Do times, you pay for YouTube as well or no? Uh, enemy of the show, Blake put me on his family plan. Right. Yeah. So you get the, the, whatever that is called Google music for free. And it was funny because the, the reason why he uh, put me on his family plan was because I kept complaining that I couldn't turn my screen off. Oh my God. And still listen to the, to the YouTube yeah, thing. Because it... I was listening to ASMR stuff to put me to sleep mm-hmm. a long time ago. And that's why he put me on there. It was very nice of him. I've been paying for it for so long now that if I'm in a different Google account when I go to YouTube or, uh, or at somebody else's house and they pull up a video, I can't do it. It's so, like, I cannot watch two commercials before this video. Like, I want to stop watching right away. Did you see uh, that the... Um... Uh, whatever Chloe's Infinite Playlist or whatever that movie or show is called, they their ad that they put was uh, you could just sit there. It could be forty. It was forty four minutes long if you just wanted to watch the first episode, and then you'd get to your video. Jesus. I mean, you can skip it, obviously, but yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Nonetheless, nonetheless, anyway, so sixpence, none the richer. Now, maybe you can tell me how to navigate this better, um, because I, well, I was a, I because I was paying six. for YouTube Premium. Uh, there was a thing that happened in December where Google sent me a free Google Home thing or speaker. Uh, I don't know which one it is. The $60 one, whatever that one is. And so I tried it and I'm like, you'll probably even start talking here. One second here. Hey, Google. Can you play me a song from Hamilton? Did you hear that? Did you hear it? I do hear it, yeah. Okay. So it's going to play music that's now copyright. So I'm going to go and just turn that off one second here. Oh, we can't hear it anyways. Yeah. doesn't matter. But what I've noticed is that if I say play an album, it does good. But if I say play a song, often it is a YouTube video version of that song, not the actual oh, song. And I'm like, I don't know if I like this or not. Anyways, what's it's your like when I search. It's like when I search for rent on Google Music. And I get the motion picture soundtrack. Yes. And I'm like, oh. they put different notes in. They're singing it differently. Okay. I just sing are it the exact have, same way every time. We're going to have a bigger conversation after this one about musical theater on any platform. I've tried it on Apple, Amazon, and on Google. And they're all complete horseshit. Anyways, that's a bigger thing that only I care about. So tell me about your, what music are, are you listening to? It's well, basically, uh, the music I listened to in uh, high school and college, uh, a lot of pop Nickelback? punk. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but it, it's like uh, Blink One Eighty Two, Weezer, yeah, Jimmy Eat World. You know, basically, some forty one. So, so, so bad music is what you're saying. Yeah, 
just like Sondheim. Okay. You know who also is the Shakespeare of our time? Fallout Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave uh, Blanchard is doing a podcast on Fallout Boy where his friend is trying to convince him that Fallout, Fallout, Fallout Boy is actually a good band. Um, well, all the power to him, I suppose. Yeah, he's, he's got like 17 podcasts all devoted to music. Um, anyways, so you're listening to this stuff, uh, and, uh, I don't know, like, uh, you, you said it was like helping with your mental health and stuff like that too. I want to, I guess, unpack that a little bit. I want to learn more about that. How, how do you think it calms you or helps you out? Well, there was a, I, I used to, when I would go to Disneyland, especially before I'd get medication and stuff, I used to take headphones with me. Mm-hmm. And so if I, you know, people bumping into me, making me a little anxious and all that stuff. I just put my headphones in and listen to whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't necessarily matter what it was, but it would just make the crowd noise go away and put me in my own little world so I could relax. Uh, but now it's, um, you know, it's, it's really simple. Like if I want to, you know, calm down, I could pick like a, a slower Weezer, like Pinkerton, mm-hmm. even though there's some fast stuff in there. It's really nice. Some later Weezer is nice and calm, like Island in the Sun. Um, the one that had the Muppets in the music video is also quite nice. Yes, yes. Uh, but then, you know, if I need a little pick-me-up, like especially in the morning, like if I'm going to go to give uh, blood or go job interview or whatever, it's good to, um, instead of being down and out a little bit, because I never was a morning person ever, um, but it gives me motivation. It brings me up a little bit. Uh, it's all about getting to that baseline, as my therapist would always tell me, right? which is the in-between of uh, being manic and being depressed. So, and it was also working because if I, if I was really depressed and I, you know, all of a sudden I realized that it's been like a couple of days and I haven't done shit and haven't left the house and my room's getting messy. I forced myself to put on music and it was able to bring me up. Mm. It's, I think it's pretty similar to, um, theater in a way. Like if you get on stage, all of a sudden, you know, I realized that if I was happy in the show, I could bring myself up from being sad and all of a sudden I'm happy. And that's just because you're faking being happy. I knew that if I had to be um, up for a scene, I would just go to my dressing room and I would just start laughing and smiling like a maniacal maniac. It's like that those uh, like that um, those monks or whatever that is where you just force yourself to laugh like a big circle, right? And it yeah. starts to bring up your energy because everyone's laughing around you. And uh, I don't know exactly what the science is, but you force yourself to be happy, basically. Well, smile releases endorphins. I mean, it's it's kind of like Pavlov's dog. Mm-hmm. You're doing things that you normally do when you're happy, and it tricks the part of your brain that doesn't realize that you're faking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, the insecure man that doesn't realize his wife is faking. <laughs> right. Why, why, why did you tell me that? What are you saying? Do you know something <laughs> I don't? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I'm just more curious because the last three days have been really bad mental health-wise for me, so... I think maybe I should turn the podcast off for maybe at least a couple of days and try and build myself up with something else. Well, and I think I really think like if you're going to do that, I think headphones are really important mm-hmm. um, because you're able to block the certain things out of your head. Um, because when I'm, you know, or the playing the music while you're in the shower. Right. Because in the bathroom, you're in your own little world, too. When I put my speaker on in my my house. And I'm walking around, you know, you hear the outside people, you hear the goddamn leaf blower, mm-hmm. you know, you hear all these different things coming into it. And when you, those get intermixed 
you don't have the same result as being able to zone out. Right. Because like if I go for a walk and I'm listening to music, all of a sudden I'm, you know, you don't realize it's been a half an hour. You've been in the zone and I, you know, I cross streets. I don't jaywalk. I, I'm able to, I always make sure I'm okay, but I'll forget that I crossed streets. It's the same thing when you're driving home. Yeah. You know, you get into that zone and there's a, it's called passive meditation. Um, where active meditation is sitting down, taking stock in your life and trying to clear your mind where passive meditation is you're very active and you're still doing a lot of things, but you're able to separate out, uh, that portion of your brain that would prefer to do the active meditation, but you got to do shit. I'm also like anxious and worried about everything all the time. And there's this weird thing that happens that when I listen to music on a speaker, I instantly become so uh, embarrassed (laughs) by every music choice I have. I'm like, uh, I wonder if people that can hear this or if they can hear this, what are they thinking about why I'm listening to this piece of music? It's it's a weird uh, dark hole I get into. So I prefer, yes, just to listen to it with, with headphones on. Yeah, and I mean it's it's rough when you're in a car because you're not supposed to wear headphones. Um, but well, yeah, of course, you know yeah. I still I still did a lot of the time. So there you go. Yeah. Let's talk about musicals. I mean, if, oh yeah, let's talk about musicals. I want to talk about musicals. Did you know what I just saw the other day? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Is that a musical? I don't know. <laughs> it's called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with an exclamation point at the end. The musical. Um, no. A uh, friend of the show, sort of. I, she doesn't listen to this show at all. But uh, Tara Kett, who... No, she's a friend of the big show. Oh, is she? Yeah. The wrestler. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. So, uh, I went and saw a high school production of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, fantastic. Which is a great show. I love that show a lot. Yeah, you get to see Chris Evans, Taryn Edgerton, and, and uh, that shit. really amazing... Oh, Billy Porter, yeah. of course. Uh, well, sorry. Are you talking about like the Broadway production? No, that's the remake they're making. Oh, for the cinemas. remake. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So here's the thing. Very quickly, side tangent, and then we'll come back to this. Is oh, did you wait? You're talking about uh, Tara, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just pieced that together. I know her too. <laughs> Ma- yeah, married to Albertus, who you know, who I have actually never met, and I'm not really convinced is a real person. But, I've met Tara, so I believe that the, she is married to somebody. But I went to school with Albertus, but I've never met him either. Uh, there was a theory that I replaced him in Lysistrata, but we don't know. No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Uh, uh, anyways. So actually, to, to be fair, you know the story about me eating the fat out of the George Foreman grease yeah, drink? Oh, yeah, you told that story in yeah, the show. Yeah, he's he's the one that paid 20 bucks, and his then-girlfriend paid the other 20 Disgusting. So Disgusting. He does exist. Uh, what I was going to say is that there's a little bit of like it's a mini controversy, really. But there is a Broadway revival currently happening of Little Shop of Horrors off Broadway revival, where they cast um, Jonathan Groff as the uh, basically your protagonist, right? The person that Rick Moranis, Seymour Krelborn, yes, uh, suddenly Seymour. But you know, like played by Rick Moranis, uh, who's supposed Perfect. to be like this dweeb, and it's like. Jonathan Groff, I love you, Jonathan Groff. Beautiful voice, amazing actor. Uh, you're great not ass. you're great ass. I'm hundred uh, percent. He's got a great ass. You're not a Seymour. You're too pretty. You are not going to convince me that you can't get a girl. Yes, you're gay. I know, but you, you cannot convince me that it's like hard for you to find a woman when you look like that. Uh, same thing because they're thinking of casting Taron Edgerton in this new movie version. They're thinking about making. I'm like, dudes, 
You can't cast super good looking people in the role of Seymour. It doesn't now, work. Who, who they need is uh uh dear Evan Hansen guy. Yeah, get Ben Platt. I can I could uh understand a Ben Platt in that role. Let's okay. Let's who's the doing the studio? Uh let's see if we can buy it. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> Warner Brothers is hard out for cash. Let's let's see what they need. Uh, now, maybe, here's an interesting thought I just had. Bloomhouse Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that would be really neat if they would go into the musical route. I actually think, I mean, the whole concept behind the the Bloomhouse thing is making twenty million dollar horror films and turning like a hundred and fifty million dollar profit. Like that's just their whole mo. They constantly churn that out. It might be a little bit higher budgets here and there, but that's the basic bread and butter of it. I wonder if you could do musicals the same way, which is like we're only going to do thirty five to forty million dollars. That's the top budget that we can do, but let's make these like little shop. You could probably do for that much money, but you could do all the off Broadway stuff, like the little smaller things, uh, and probably turn a pretty handy profit. I think, I don't know. Well, the problem is, is they end up casting, you know, like, uh, what's that, uh, girl from pitch perfect. You know, she was in the last five years and Kendrick Kendrick was in the last five years. And like those two people were just not working. And Kendrick looks like, you know, she's, 23 and she's supposed to play this person that's you know on the end of her acting career you know circling around uh and like she's like 42 or whatever and she goes back to like 37 so it just doesn't work like the problem with those roles is that yeah they'll do lower budgets but they want to get anna kendrick they want to get emma stone you know, and it's I, that's the wrong route to go. They should yeah. look to theater to find those people. I, I wish they would do that. It's like if you're going to be casting, if you're going to make, if you were to make smaller budgeted movies, like go with a lot of Broadway talent and maybe have one marquee star somewhere in in the company to maybe draw in a few more eyeballs. But really, it's like uh, I'm going to drop some names that no one's going to know who I'm talking about. But like, if you get like a, a an Audra McDonald, or if you get a yep. Sutton Foster. Or, like, those types of people who are, like, super big on Broadway. But it's like, no, they can do it. Like, I know they can do it because they're amazing actresses. So just put them in there. People will buy it and, uh, you know, go from there. Well, it's great that, you know, you can mix and match it. But you got a a show like Frozen where you got Idina Menzel. You got Jonathan Groff. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you got whatever, Kristen, what's his face? Dax Shepard's wife, that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, she's not really... A theater person, but it worked out because they anchored it with two. Oh, and Josh Gad, of course. Of course. Three Broadway actors and uh, Dax Shepard's wife. Right. Matthew Lillard, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Matthew, it's a polyamorous relationship with Freddie Prince Jr., Dax Shepard, and Matthew Lillard. Uh, I mean, there's also this other thought I've been thinking of recently, and this is a very broad statement, but it actually goes back to. Uh, Sondheim once again where he mentions about the adaptations of his own shows he says how hard it is to adapt a musical a stage musical into a film uh, only because what you'll sometimes use a song for in a stage show you can basically convey with like a close-up shot in a movie so sometimes it's just like the different mediums there's kind of like that oil and water mix where it's like, oh, okay, on stage this works really well, but when you film it, it doesn't really have the same resonance. So you have to really change things. Um, 
So I've been thinking about that a lot, and I'm wondering if there's like a solution to it, or if there's only certain musicals that should even be attempted to be adapted into a movie version. Well, I think what they're doing with Hamilton is they're going to film it on stage. Well, they Number are. That's one. what's being released what next year, do. right? That's what That's they're releasing next do. year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. I prefer the Rent last performance than I prefer like the movie is not good. No. The the last performance, which was filmed with them on stage, is fantastic and it's really good. I mean, so I think that's what they should segue into more, is is filming on stage or a very closed, like a very set driven, not location driven places. And well, it's um, going to be interesting because in the next year we're going to see two of the Lin Manuel adaptations because yeah, um, in, the in the Heights is coming out as a proper film here later this year, and the next year Disney just bought the rights to have the stage version of Hamilton that they recorded being released in theaters. Uh, yeah. So we'll see which one does better. I don't know. I don't know if people are like, I'm buying a movie ticket. I don't want to see a concert of a, of a play. I don't know if that's a thing. But I mean, they're, they're trying, uh, the guy that was basically the artistic director of uh, the college that I went to, um, Daryl Rolls, he said he directed Footloose and he would always shout at us when one gay way. He would always shout at us. The reason why you're singing this is because you're so fucking happy that you just can't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You must sing. And that's really hard to convey in a, in a movie. Mm-hmm. You're just so fucking happy that you can't just talk about it anymore. You have to sing about it. Um, and especially, like you said, when you can do things like close-ups in movies, you can't do those things in the theater. Yeah. And so by singing, what you're doing is you're bringing the attention and you're creating a close-up with a relationship with the audience through words and through music. So you create that connection and you create that close-up, especially, I mean, obviously during solos. Yeah, and I think this is what, like, I'm going to throw so much shade here. Rob Marshall's only good movie that he made, uh, which was uh, Chicago, where they kind of figured out that problem in a way, which was... All these musical numbers, and you can't do this for every musical because it wouldn't make sense for every musical, but it's like every musical number in that movie is a either a dream or it is very clearly happening in their heads. So yeah. it's like you're entering into this other world, boom, here's a musical number, back in so they because they have this realization and then they act on it. And well, it works try- in that film. Can you imagine Cell Block Tango done practically in a prison? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking horrible. But it, just yeah. like the only the only one that was uh, not in somebody's head was the end song with uh, uh, Michael Douglas's wife and uh, that country singer's ex-wife uh, singing on stage. Sure. Yeah. 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 J- Judy Garland. And uh, oh, I was going to try and do a poll of who Michael Douglas's first wife was, but I can't remember. Um, uh, the, the lady that was in Entrapment uh, with Sean Connery, yeah. where they went to the Burj Khalifa and stole stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we know. We know. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's just been something I've been thinking about. I think that you just have to come at it from a very different angle nowadays. I, I, there's actually interesting, like, there's going to be a boom of musical adaptations this year of a lot of, like, smaller things that probably a lot of people have not heard about. Um, uh, there is this musical called The Prom that came out last year that I believe is coming out on Netflix as it being released on there. And then there's another one. I'm actually looking for it right now because I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, which is 
Uh, everybody's talking about Jamie. That's another one I think that's being released directly online. Uh, in, I haven't even in, heard of that one. In the yeah, that's a UK. I think it was only that music was only done in the UK. I don't even think there was a, a New York version of it. And uh, it was with Jamie Bell, right? C- correct. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's trying to learn to be a ballerina and it overcomes adversity. Uh, and so I guess we'll see how any of those ones are adapted. Um, I have kind of this love hate relationship with Ryan Murphy, who's doing the prom. Oh, and the mean girls musical that's also being adapted to a movie too. Right. It's, Great. it's doing the producers thing, movie musical, and then movie adaptation of the musical. We get to well, it's gonna, mean girls. The first, the, uh, the only, uh, movie musical that I saw on stage before the movie was producers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then you saw the original movie or no. Oh yeah, I saw the original movie long, long, long time ago. But I saw, I saw producers on Broadway. I took my dad; uh, he got a kick out of it. Was that and with then, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, or they left by that point? Yeah, this was in Orange County. So, oh yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, um, but it was with a it was with a, a heftier Nathan Lane type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan Lane being called fat just doesn't make sense. Right. You fat, fat, fatty. Now, so interesting. So, this is another podcast I listen to that I love called um, uh, not let's uh, um, uh, my little Tonys. It's called My Little Tonys. Their their thing is that they go through every Tony Awards show and talk about it. <laughs> uh, I love them. It's a great podcast, but they do this epic amount of research because they talk about every show that's nominated and like the history of it and and everything. So they were talking about the two thousand one Tonys. Here the as their last episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, and of course that was when the producers came out, and I found it fascinating and something that I hadn't even considered before because you always hear about like the producers, like it was this huge hit, like the producers it ran for so long on Broadway and it was like this huge hit and it like revitalized Broadway from the bad nineties period that they went through. And hey, what, Sunset Boulevard. Shut your mouth. Sure. The, the one that came out in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> but they they were... Uh, it opened my eyes because the producers absolutely did this huge, amazing business in New York. It flopped when it, when it, when it traveled. It did not do well as a, as a traveling show into other cities. And it was because it was so intrinsically linked to Nathan Lane and Matthew Broadwick that nobody wanted to see it without those two people as the leads. Yeah. And then you, know you can't who? say I, that I think... for every show. There's some shows that can travel really well. And, and the producers was one of the shows that didn't. And I think that's interesting. And it's not really remember... done anymore, right? It's not revived. It's no, not, it's not, it's not done regionally at all. Uh, it's yeah. So it's just interesting. But, but if I remember correctly, the Canadian production was done with the comedian, Sean Colin as uh, Bialystok. Oh, I could see that. He's a very Nathan yeah. Lane light. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. And I, um, so you're going to New York to see a uh, company. Correct. Yes. I've seen a uh, production of it with uh, Raul Esparza. Oh, did you see that? But that was the video one. The video. Um, okay. You saw the videotape yeah. version. Yeah. It's a, uh, there, there is some division amongst Broadway fans and especially Sondheim fans, whether that's a good adaptation or a bad adaptation. Um, so it depends on which, which way you fall on that. I actually quite like it, but uh, yeah. there's, there's a couple of things that may have, could have been done better. But, well, but I love yeah, Raul Esparza. I think he does a phenomenal performance in that show. Yeah, there's there's certain uh, theater people, like you said, Audrey McDonald. 
Like you bring those like Raul Esparza and uh, Nor- Norbert Leo Butts. You put them in a show. I'm probably gonna like it. Well, the, the, actually, even to that point, I love when Broadway stars guest star on TV shows or in movies. I'm like, oh, it's Neil. Lo- Le- God, Le- oh, God, why can't I say is it Leo Norbert Butts? Let me try that again. Let me let me go at that again. You see someone in a movie, and it's like that's Leo Norbert Butts on there. I'm gonna like this. You know, I, I just love those moments when it's like, I know who this person is and no one else does. Yeah, when he showed up in Bloodline yeah, or whatever exactly. that show like, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is great. And it took me like, I'm like, I know he sounds, like he sounded familiar. Like there's something there. I I, I know it, but I couldn't piece it together. Are, and are you then Sweet the Smell ne- of Success? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next the next uh, episode, I finally watched the credits and I'm like, Norbert Leo, but son of a bitch. So, um, fantastic. Anyways, we should maybe uh, wrap this up as we've been recording for an hour, I suppose. Uh, well, I'd uh, like to give one little bit of tidbit information. Okay. Um, Jason Bloom from Bloom House was nominated for three Best Picture nominations, Whiplash, Get Out, and Black Klansman. That's great. Yeah, so I thought that's pretty interesting oh, because and- only one of those is a horror movie. That is true. Uh, by the way, too, yes, I am going to New York to finish off that thought process. And uh, between you and I, and because no one listens to this show, I really hope this doesn't fall through. This is why I have not really announced it really anywhere yet. Uh, because I never believe anything is going to happen until it actually happens, and then sometimes not even then. Which is the uh, producers of the revival of Company have reached out to me to go and interview some of the people at the theater when I go to New York City. So that's what I'll be doing on the Sunday while I'm there. Is uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Correct. If I get to meet Patty Lapone, uh, I will have. Are you gonna Are you gonna poop your pants? Oh uh, well, definitely. Well, something's gonna be happening in my pants. Let me tell you that much. Uh, I will yeah, be crusty socks are gonna be in your pants. <laughs> that's right. I'll be I'll be so excited. Uh, so that's cool I'll, I'll see if that happens or not but they uh they seem to want to do it yeah well you know something that i i just learned the other day is uh kevin McHale, who was from glee he's dating uh the melchior from the uh uh deaf west uh production of uh oh uh, uh spring, spring awakening. awakening yeah spring awakening yeah that's I've cool. seen i've seen spring awakening three times can i tell you this too by the way uh when I say I don't have a great gaydar, uh, I never knew that Kevin McHale was gay. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. Yeah, I didn't I didn't expect it, yeah. Um, I went uh, for Spring Awakening one time with a high school class, and I completely forgot there was nudity in the show. Um, so, yeah. There's that. Wait, so wait. You took a high school class there, or you were part of the high school class? No, I was... I, this is the third time I saw it. Um, and I was a, a chaperone, because one of my friends... Well, my girlfriend's sister was a high school director, our high school drama teacher. Oh, I see. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't clue in until it got to that part. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. It's the swing sex scene, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I get it. Uh, well, Grant, how can people find you on the internet this week? Um, yeah, only uh, this week only. Uh, uh, Fegimans at Fegimans, twitter.com slash Fegimans, F E J I M A N Z or Z, depending upon which uh, Kryptonian you are. <laughs> and you can find me at the Kyle Marshall, like I said already, on pretty much every social media platform. I can also yeah. 
uh, if you want to follow this show, even though we don't post anything ever, we're at whatever pod on uh, on Twitter at, at the very I least. I don't understand. I don't understand how people have like a Twitter name and a Fed and an Instagram name, and I'm like, how, how did you have like you know uh, Jiminy Cricket seven eight nine on Twitter, and then you have uh, Cricket Jiminy two four six on Instagram? Like, what's going on here? Somebody is buying up all these <laughs> domain names. Uh, if you could be in any musical. What would it be? One that you have not Joe, appeared in before. Joe Gillis, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, done. Done. Easy. Yeah. I would play the Glenn Close character. I would be Norma Desmond. How cool was it that she got that role? She got that role young. She did. And she's been doing it for 30 plus years. Yeah, yeah. But you Fantastic. can also hear Patti Lapone do it too. And she was, um, she was the original Norma Desmond in, the, in London and was fired from, from the show. That's because Andrew Lloyd Webber is a piece of shit. That's right. Although uh, another podcast I listened to, Broadway Breakdown, had a great bootleg that they played of, of her like final performance. Uh, or no, they didn't play it. They just talked about it about how her final performance was apparently so good. There was actually reporting on it because she'd been fired and basically felt like Norma Desmond. So she like gave it her all in her last performance on the stage. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you make the socks crusty? Like, I wasn't really clear on on that. Well, what I do is I, when I make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I uh, I cut the crust off and then I just I keep all my crust in my socks. Oh, uh, because I, I like to go to there's a duck pond um, down the road here and I like to go feed the ducks because I'm a lonely old man. Now, can you explain semen to me? Uh, semen uh, is uh, uh, it's contained in the ejaculate. Um, and it comes, it gets, it's part of the prostate.